Okay, well, let's get started. Uh, hello, and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of Lord of the Rings. My name is Anna. And my name is Ellen, and today's episode, we are discussing Book 1, Chapter 1, A Long-Expected Party, exploring how community is built through celebrations. Anna, I'm so excited to be doing <laughs> this podcast with you right now. Um, yes, I have been both a bundle of nerves and a bundle of excitement because this is new for both of us, mm-hmm. but also it felt kind of like the perfect time to start a conversation about community and thinking sort of more critically about like what it is, how we create it, what does it mean to us, um, especially right now. But what's on your mind as we record this very first podcast? Well, I am excited to be doing a close reading of The Lord of the Rings with you. Um, I love these books. I know you do too. So it'll be exciting to go through them chapter by chapter together. I'm also looking forward to spending time talking about community, which just seems especially pressing right now as people are more spread out and are living more independent lives from each other than they have previously. Fully agree. And I think that kind of brings us to then, what are we talking about over the course of this podcast? Um, what what are we going to provide and what can listeners expect from this podcast? This podcast is for people who want to explore what it means to be in community with another person and are interested in doing that through the lens and the learnings that we we read in the Lord of the Rings books. Listeners can expect a lot of thoughts and opinions on these books themselves. And I think it's important to say that you do not have to be a Tolkien scholar to enjoy this podcast. We definitely aren't, but we do love these books. Mm-hmm. When I think of the Lord of the Rings books, I'm really thinking about the the five books in the three parts of The Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, and then The Return of the King. That's sort of my idea of The Lord of the Rings. People can disagree, but that's not their podcast. So mm-hmm. we'll move forward. We're mad with power. That's right. You can't stop me. You can't see me, but I'm in a closet with a new microphone ready to take on the world. So. She has nothing to lose, you guys. Buckle up. Um, But we're also going to talk about what makes a community, and this is something that I'm looking forward to exploring because I don't have an answer yet of what is different in a community versus just like a group of people. Is it enough that we all like the same thing? Does it have anything to do with where we are physically? There's just a lot there that I am interested in and I want to learn more about and talk about. And that's something that I am excited to sort of go on this journey with and see see where we end up as we read through the books. If someone's tuning in right now, what are you hoping that they are going to take away as listeners to this podcast? So you touched on a lot of themes like, you know, both that you and I are looking forward to explore, but hopefully that any person who would listen to this would also maybe be interested in exploring. You know, we are 
creating this in the midst of year two of a global pandemic. And it has been, you know, a time of isolation for a lot of folks. And also a time, I think, of reflection. Um, So really thinking about what it means to be a part of a group, what it means to be a part of a community, um, and when some of the tenets of a community are changed in the way that this pandemic has changed how we relate to one another, um, what does that mean? So I was kind of thinking about, you know, how can we be creative in cultivating community and take it a little, you know, less for granted. How can we be more intentional in creating, interacting, and being good stewards of communities? And how can we understand ourselves in context? I don't know. I When you posed the topic to me when we sort of first talked about the podcast, I too felt a little like the topic was very broad and that was both exciting and also like, wow, we could cover a lot. What is, mm-hmm. <laughs> where do we start? How do we start to unpack this? So I'm excited to explore that with you and with any person that would ever hear this podcast. Well, I think that is a good time to open up the big red book and move into story time. So this is the part of the podcast where we will talk about how we have personally experienced community through the episode's theme. And again, today's theme is about exploring how community is built through celebrations. Occasionally, we will have special guests for this segment. But today, Anna is going to be our special guest and tell us a story about community through celebrations. Yes, hello. I'm the special guest. It's me, Anna. Um, So I really, as we embark on this journey together, as one would say, I really was like, where do I start with this? (laughs) So I did what any self-respecting graduate of a liberal arts college did. I went to Google Scholar and Googled community and celebrations. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is the the wealth, the font of truth, Google Scholar. Right, and I looked at at least three sources, so my Com 101 professor, TA, should have been very proud of the effort that was put forth. Um, And sort of what I learned is that, you know, community and celebrations can be a space for role-taking and interaction with others. Um, So basically what this means is that you sort of take on or can adopt these roles um, and perform what you expect your role to be in society through a celebration. But there's also a space where we can like compare ourselves to a reference group. So you're in a space, maybe with a lot of other people, either physically or maybe virtually. And so you're sort of doing this comparison of where am I in relationship to these other individuals Um, and that we learn about ourselves essentially in the same way by like observing behavior and making inferences about ourselves in relationship to So um, I read a sociological literature review, which I won't go into depth about, but it just proved kind of an interesting thought about, 
you know, celebrations are often ritual signifiers in the words of Deborah L. Smith-Shank. And so sort of thinking about celebrations as a, again, heightened ritualistic space where we perform our norms and values, but also could be spaces to challenge those norms and values or to think more intentionally about who's present, who isn't, pre isn't present, what are we trying to do through this celebration? So um, as I was thinking about a lot of these things, I was thinking about, you know, how this sounded kind of like my approach to getting married. <laughs> mm, mm -hmm. Did you also go to Google Scholar before getting married to think about the rituals that would be at your wedding? Mm, mm -hmm. um, no. There was a little less scholarly research involved in that process, but there was definitely research involved. We expected that. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's very on brand for me, listeners. So I think what's interesting about weddings, right, is that if you've attended one, especially as you approach maybe your own nuptials, there is sort of this compare contrast that you do about like, ooh, I liked that. Mm, I don't know if I vibed with that. You know, ultimately, you want your wedding to reflect who you and your partner are as a couple. And so thinking about that really made me think about how intentional my partner and I were in planning our wedding. Um, we aren't particularly religious, so I knew that I wanted for our ceremony to really reflect more of our relationship, but still focus in on the commitment of and practice of loving one another. So as someone who has attended many a wedding in the last couple of years, um, some of our friends have used scripture language that I just didn't vibe with. We really wanted to sort of think about changing up a little bit, even just the, the script of the day. And it had been a long expected, you know, much like our, our entry to this book had been a long expected party because we had been in a relationship a long time. Um, our engagement was a year and a half-ish, I think. So it was uh, long expected and it was a large group of people that we were going to get together, many of whom um, were important to us maybe separately but had never been in community together um, and so I had someone in my life who was really important to me that kind of helped me understand what the wedding was which is yes it is your day but it's also a day to celebrate all of these people around you who are your community who are the people that really helped you understand what it means to be in a meaningful relationship and as someone who would not otherwise maybe throw a party on behalf of oneself, <laughs> this was a very helpful shift to be like, okay, I don't have to be like the princess of the ball. I can instead be someone who is looking to build community through this event. So really spending some time on making the space somewhere that both my partner and I would have enjoyed had we attended. So really focusing in on like music and food and um, making sure people felt cared for, um, and that I really wanted, again, the script of the ceremony itself to be very specific, and I wanted it just to be super, super fun. So it was a good time for us to reflect the values that we held, to sort of maybe shift some of those cultural norms just a bit, 
to, to be an example of how, um, you know, we could, we could be much more intentional in putting together this day and to really, um, really celebrate all of the, all of the things that were going to happen that day. Although there was also a lot of like, okay, lots of expectations, (laughs) lots of, uh, surprise family rituals. Surprise family rituals, uh, families and friends meeting each other for the first time, hoping that things would go well um, and that no one would be too too put off by what we had put together. Um, and then very much like Bilbo afterwards, I was very tempted to vanish after the wedding because I too felt like butter scraped over too much bread. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it was... It was a wonderful day. It was a very, very busy day. Um, But that's something that I really thought about when I thought about uh, long-expected celebration and intentional community building. It was a long-expected celebration, but it made the day itself all the more fun. Plus, you had brownies. So, you know, that was really a highlight for me. You said something interesting about how you reframed this wedding to not being about your special day and making it about the community of people that you're bringing together. And that made me think of the phrase, funerals are for the living, and how in general, maybe celebrations are less about the people that we are celebrating and more about the community that's coming together to celebrate whatever rite of passage or ritual, etc. that that the moment calls for. Mm-hmm. As I was reading research, um, I was kind of thinking about that too, where you become like the conduit for the cultural experience, but that cultural experience is not, uh, it kind of can happen regardless of who's in that driver's seat. And so you can shift and fr- reframe a little bit, you know, what exactly happens on that day, but that it becomes a little less about you in particular, right? And and I found that especially helpful because I had a lot of well-meaning, well-intentioned folks in my life who were like, don't worry about it. Just make sure you're happy. Have a good time. And I was like, well, <laughs> I am inviting, I don't know how many people we ended up inviting, over a hundred to come stare at me in a dress while I have a speaking part on stage, which again, would not normally be something I choose for myself. Mm-hmm. So I was really trying to balance this, it's for you, but I felt that there was this undercurrent of expectations about what would be provided for those in attendance. And by all of a sudden taking myself out of it and being able to say, it really isn't about me so much as it is, it's about what we're trying to build here, that helped me find some joy in the day, feel a little less pressure about what I was trying to put together. And ultimately became, uh, it did become a little bit more of a a ritual at that point. Like, okay, you just become the person in white who walks down the aisle and does the thing. But ultimately, it's about everybody else. And I was like, cool, I can do that. Let's transition now into today's chapter discussion, which again, is just the first chapter of the first book of The Lord of the Rings. And I think we should first start out with some general plot points. We meet Bilbo and Frodo and learn their backstory. 
Gandalf arrives, one of my favorite characters. We have our long-expected party, and then at the end of that, Bilbo gives up all of his possessions, throws some shade at his general relatives and neighbors, and finally gives up the ring to Frodo. So what were your favorite parts of this chapter, Anna? One is that... Gandalf, who we know to be a conjurer, and that's really most of what we know about him at this point, if we are starting in this book with these characters, that he is known for his grand fireworks displays, but he's also a little bit... mm, He walks a fine line with Hobbiton. Like, children and, and the younger hobbits are excited about him, but the adults are also just a skosh wary of what he brings to the day. Yeah, weary is the right word there. There are a little bit of side eye as he's rolling in on the wagon. Right, right. So I loved that. Um, I think the the day of where Bilbo gives his speech and like clearly is way enjoying himself, there is some mixed response <laughs> to both his speech as well as his calling in of the various clans of hobbits that are there and the language that he uses like he is feeling really good about himself that for the most part everybody else is like yeah mm -hmm, we're just here to eat (laughs) thank you very much for these snacks i don't know if you've heard but this party is about us and our community so keep it moving Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he he could have uh maybe been a little bit more intentional about cultivating the experience for them but this is Bilbo's Mm -hmm. big day, which I also found amusing because Frodo is kind of a part of this, but really seems to not be a part of this at all. He's coming of age at 33, which I love um, that this, none of this coming of age at the age of 18, but 33 feels like a good round solid age to finally be like, I am an adult. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then perhaps my favorite part is, as you mentioned, the very passive aggressive gifts that are given to the family um it felt very like i just loved this image where bilbo is in his home he's preparing to leave the shire and he's gathering up all of these items and writing these very passive aggressive notes to family and friends um i just i found that to be so so enjoyable and so so relatable yep I picture him quietly cackling, uh, remembering everybody who has borrowed a book from him and not given it back or stolen spoons. And he's just like, today is the day you will get your comeuppance through a gift. It reminded me almost of the the episode of Seinfeld where they have Festivus and there's an airing of grievances and that Bilbo's way of airing his grievances is through these like quill written notes by his fireplace as you you know as you mentioned I can imagine him just kind of like snickering to himself uh and that they are received with again mixed emotion from from those who are getting their gifts just a delightful and honestly for those of us that are quite petty an aspirational moment in the book So with that said, I wanted to ask you maybe some of your favorite parts as well. And then where did you see moments of community in today's chapter? 
Something that's interesting is that when you're reading the chapter with a theme in mind, I feel like it appears more than you would maybe notice just reading it for pleasure. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first moment of community that I saw was a very neighborly community of the the gaffer who lives on Bagshot Row near Bilbo and Frodo is defending them at the inn um, when there are some hobbits sort of speaking snidely about the two of them. They're weird. They have all of this money. We don't really know what they're about. And the gaffer very uh, nicely says that, no, he is a very nice, well-spoken, gentle hobbit. And I thought that, I don't know that he would have really stood up for them in that way if they weren't neighbors and didn't have that sort of neighborly connection. Mm -hmm. Another moment of community that I saw that made me think of you, Anna, is, in my book at least, it's on page 26, There might have been some grumblings about dealing locally, and that comes from hobbits who are thinking that Bilbo is throwing this big party and he's not buying any of the stuff that they have in Hobbiton and he's not dealing with local businesses. And I wanted to ask, how do you see community being built when people deal locally, so to speak, or when they support the neighbors and and those around them? Well, yeah, I think there are sort of two ways to think about this. Um, One is through the support of local businesses, which I feel very strongly about. Um, But I also think about mutual aid. So lately I've been thinking a lot about um, some of the criticisms and reading a lot about some of the criticisms of charity, sort of globally speaking, and, and how charity can be... Um, really beneficial, but can also be kind of challenging because often you're giving to a group that may not be from the community and so may not know how to address the needs that are most critical or most prevalent or to address them in a way that is sensitive to the needs of the community. Um, And so mutual aid can be a better way to do that by giving directly to those who need money and sort of cutting out the middleman or resources, I should say, not just money. So um, yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it's one that's really important when we think about community development beyond the relational and into the sort of material and resource-based conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also want to talk about the party itself um, and sort of go back to some of the earlier comments we made about community specifically through celebration um i thought it was interesting that bilbo invites pretty much everybody for this but then also has like this more exclusive in party there's a family tent with the i think 144 of them hanging out um separately from the rest of the hobbits who have been invited um but i didn't feel like, Bilbo was really in community with these people. You know, he invites them, and they all come. But it doesn't seem that he really thinks well of a lot of the other hobbits, except for maybe two or three. We would assume the gaffer is on that list. We would assume Frodo is on that list. But it doesn't seem like he is really too concerned about building community through this celebration or bringing people together in that manner what do you think i agree i think the what we're seeing 
through his birthday party is really more of a performative community building exercise where we are going through the motions of what a birthday party is supposed to be and we're doing it in a really extravagant way but we aren't necessarily thinking about who's going to be present and building a stronger relationship with them. And I think that's not only evidenced by the way that he throws the party itself, but I think coming back to some of these um, shady gifts at the end of the party really shows that this is maybe an act of superiority by Bilbo and that it could be perceived as a way for him to showcase his own good fortune as opposed to really building relationships if not for himself then potentially for Frodo again who's coming of age it's also supposed to be his birthday party and to whom Bilbo is leaving his estate it really does not seem that Bilbo has thought much about um maybe greasing the wheel a bit of some of those conversations, but instead is choosing to be confrontational in the last moments that he possibly can be. Um, so I think it, it is not truly a community building event. It does feel performative in that way. What are your thoughts about that? I'm glad that you didn't have a magic ring at your wedding to disappear at the end and, I don't know, go hibernate or something, go live as a hermit. I can't say I wouldn't have taken the, that opportunity because <laughs> I was very tired at the end of it. But um, I also like it was just such a positive experience. It was such a lovely and loving moment where so many people who are important to me were able to come and like share in the experience. And that was really important. And that does feel very different from what Bilbo is looking to get out of this this event. Yeah, I don't think he likes these people. He's not like, oh, I'm so excited to do this after party with you. He's like, have you seen this cool magic trick that I can do? Goodbye for forever. And I wonder, too, as we as we read further into the next couple of chapters where we delve a little bit more into uh, both Bilbo's relationship with the community as well as Bilbo's relationship with the ring, I wonder if that won't uncover a bit more as to how he's sort of making these decisions. I mean, certainly I think he his lived experiences are such that Hobbiton has kind of a hard time understanding Bilbo. Um, and so I could see him kind of, especially after his first big adventure, living separate from the community in a lot of ways because he doesn't have many shared experiences to build relationships with those in the community or in a way that the community understands. And so it is interesting that he chooses to throw this celebration and still sort of uphold this norm while much of his otherwise existence feels not normative for Hobbiton. So it is kind of an interesting juxtaposition, maybe. That's true. He doesn't like them, but he is also not welcomed with open arms for his difference. Right, right. It's kind of a both mm -hmm. and. Like, I think both sides could maybe do a little bit better <laughs> to reach to the middle. Um, but also, he is, what, 111? 111, right? That's not how he says it. 11th? Is... 11th? 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 
Oh, how do they say it? I just have it in in my mind from the movie where he's like kind of drunk and he's like, it's my 111th birthday. Oh, he's 111. Mm. That's how they say it. Um, a rather curious number and a very respectable age for a hobbit. And so it is kind of interesting that he's, you know, he's also older, much older. He feels like you know, butter scraped over too much bread. So has he also given up all his cares for the perception of said community? And it's just like, look, I'm 111. I am doing what I want. Y'all can't stop me. And this is going to be my last big hurrah before I peace right out of Hobbiton. I'm going on a trip. I have packed. There are some dwarves hiding in my closet, and they're going to pop out and spirit me away to the mountains. Yeah, I feel like the dwarves were really kind of a secret underlying current to the chapter that I wanted more of. Like, okay, so these dwarves are just, like, hanging out in the Shire in Bag's End for, like, this whole time. Yes. What do they do? Are they at the party? It, It seems like they were literally just waiting in the house for Bilbo to clap his hands and say, okay, it's time to go. And then they were like, oh, yeah, we, we've been waiting for this moment. Like, I hope someone brought them some snacks. Some beer. They can sing a little drinking song. I don't know. That's what I would do if I was a dwarf. Yeah, a, a dwarf mm-hmm. tune, as it were. Yeah, I feel like um, that's the real untold story of this first chapter of Lord of the Rings is the dwarves that hang out in Bilbo's home. The unnamed dwarves. That's right. Well, is there anything else about the chapter that you want to cover before we move to our next section? I will say the only other thing that I really enjoyed about the chapter, I mean, I enjoy everything about the chapter because I enjoy the books, but I really liked the phrase, fill up the corners. Yes. To represent like the technical end of a meal, but you're still snacking. That felt very relevant to my life and i was thankful for the reminder that that was a phrase because i do plan to use it moving forward if you want the scientific phrase it is sensory specific satiety and i have recently learned this about how the reason you always have room for ice cream or dessert or something else is that it's just like a new flavor it's a new mouthfeel and your mouth is like mm-hmm, what's this i haven't had this in a minute let's try more but fill up the corners is better <laughs> So not as we posited as children that ice cream melted in your stomach and thus did actually fill up the cracks among the other things, which is why we could always eat after we said we were full and did not want any more vegetables, but absolutely had room for vanilla ice cream with chocolate sauce. That's right. It wasn't the melting. It was the sensory specific satiety. Satiety is a great word. I have never heard that before. I am writing it down. I hope I'm saying it right. It's spelled like satiate, satiety, <laughs> but that can't be right. <laughs> satiety, satiety. There's no way to know. There's no way to know. Where's Google Scholar when you need him? All right, moving on. This is the part of the podcast where we'll ask the episode's storyteller to share some sort of takeaway that we can all hopefully utilize in relation to today's discussion and theme. So Anna, you are our storyteller. What would you like to share for the listeners as our action item? Well, as this is our first episode, I had a couple of thoughts. 
So the first is a reflection exercise where you'll think about a celebration that you long expected, either something you have experienced or something you will experience. And we're going to ask four questions about that celebration. And those four questions are, one, what makes this celebration unique or distinct from other celebrations? Two, who does this celebration honor or serve? Three, are different voices accommodated or involved in the planning of the event? And sort of sub-questions, if yes, how are they involved? And if not, why are they not involved? And then the fourth question is, how do people not familiar with this event interact with or perceive this event? So four questions to reflect on a celebration you have or will experience. The alternative is perhaps much less question-based. And it is this. As you approach your birthday, think about a gift that you could give to someone else in celebration of them, akin to what Bilbo does through the chapter, but perhaps with a little less shade. Thank you for specifying that we should strive to be less shady than Bilbo. Right. We are trying to build community, Mm -hmm. not to um, burn bridges. Right. Tear people down. Um, As a competitive gift giver is the way I will choose to describe myself. I love that. I think that's a fun way to sort of turn the tables. Right. That's great. So people can either reflect on their own for those takeaways, but we are very interested to see what everybody is up to. So if you'd like to share uh, anything that you've done related to today's action items, you can go ahead and either email us or send us a voicemail at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you all and might include some voicemails in future episodes. Today's podcast was brought to you by Lobelia's Silver Spoons. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Daum. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in fellowship. Anna, I'm reading your part. You're doing great, though, so... Why didn't you stop me? (laughs) Well, I just talked for quite a bit, so I was like, oh, this is nice. I forgot which mm-hmm. color I was, mm-hmm. which is funny because I picked the colors. That's correct. You did pick the colors. You are blue. I am yellow. Oh, man.